Number 285 will be the song of invitation after the lesson this morning. What a blessing it is to be here. Beautiful morning. And uh, looking out, I still see a lot of empty holes in the audience. We've had our bout with the flu, haven't we? Uh, and uh, we have several who have gotten back, but still some folks are sniffling and coughing, and hopefully we can get all that stuff behind us. Get spring on in here. Get it warmed up. Get the sun shining. Looking forward to the springtime. Uh, we've got a little taste of it this morning. But anyway, blessed to be here. Good to see everyone, especially our visitors. Thank you all for being with us. Thank you for stopping in and worshiping with us this morning. And if there are any questions that you have, anything at all, well, we'd be more than glad to sit down with you, open our Bibles, first and foremost, and see what God's Word has to say. But also, I want to promise you I'll open my heart, too. I'll open my heart to what the Scriptures have to say. And hopefully we'll be more determined to find out what the truth is than try to support what we want the truth to be. And as we open our hearts and minds this morning to the Scriptures, I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John, the 8th chapter. John, chapter 8. We're going to be looking specifically uh, at a section of Scripture beginning in verse 21, going down through verse 36. And the broader context will be considered... Briefly, but we're going to be talking this morning about freedom. Being free in Christ, and if anyone is free in Christ, he is free indeed. He, he has experienced what true freedom is. That's what we're going to be discussing. Beginning in verse 21, Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? And he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. For I always do those things that please him. As, for, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone, how can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So this morning, we're going to go back to the text in just a moment and focus on this concept of freedom. You know, we do have Many do have a misconception of what freedom is. 
We think, or I say we accommodatively, we many people think, that freedom means I have the liberty to do whatever I want to do. Nobody can tell me what not to do. Nobody can tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. And by the way, isn't that the foundation of the United States and our country is that we are free, right? We're free to do what we want. To live like what we, life like we want. To do as we please. Nobody can tell me what I can and what I can't do. That's the idea that many people have of freedom. But you know what? In the very beginning of this country, in the, the, the forming of the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and the men who were behind those documents and under, underlying those thoughts that went in to the foundation of this very country, one of the principles and foundational principles that they understood, and we all need to understand, is that freedom requires great price or great cost, number one. Number two, freedom demands responsibility. Where there is no responsibility, there eventually can be no freedom. When we turn away from the things that are good and the things that are right, we will, by that very act, enslave ourselves. Now that's a very important principle to understand. Many have a misconstrued understanding of freedom. Freedom without restraint will wind up not being freedom at all. Freedom in Christ, the same principle applies. Freedom in Christ is not freedom from Christ. Freedom in Christ is not freedom from His authority. In fact, it is only when we submit ourselves and bring ourselves under His authority do we truly find freedom. There is no other way. When we believe in Him, and abide in His words, then we have freedom. We can truly experience it. Freedom is a grand idea and something that people give up their lives for in pursuit of. And mostly, you know, people are thinking as far as their own personal liberty, right? Their own personal freedom to pursue happiness and success in their life. And you know what? People have left foreign countries and they get in little boats and sail from Cuba to Florida. They'll, they'll get in a caravan in Honduras or in Guatemala. And they will travel and try to come into America. Why? Because of the principle of freedom. They want that. Many people have left Europe in pursuit of freedom. And it's a grand idea. But one thing that we, again, must understand is that freedom... Not only does it have cost, but it also requires governance. That is, governance of a moral restrictive code that will keep us free. Now, anarchy is just the opposite of order. And where you have unfettered freedom results in anarchy. If everybody did what they wanted to do, you would have chaos. There could be no peace. It would be just total chaos, war, poverty, wickedness. Kind of like in Genesis chapter 6. That's kind of where anarchy will take you. 
Genesis chapter 6, where every thought was evil. And we certainly don't want that. Selfishness versus service. You know, where you have people who are selfish, and they want to emphasize freedom from a selfish perspective. All they are going to do is create, again, division and chaos. Unfettered freedom results in selfishness. Responsible freedom leads to service. Where you have selfish freedom, people won't say, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what it does to anybody else. I'm going to live like I want to live, and nobody has a right to tell me any different. Well, you got a problem. But when you have freedom and people with love in their hearts for one another, that's a different story. You must have love. So you must have a standard. You must have order. You must have love. Slavery to sin or slavery to righteousness. In reality, and, and this is a biblical concept, by the way, you are enslaved to one of two things. You are either enslaved to Satan or you are enslaved to the Lord. You are either enslaved to your sin or you are enslaved to righteousness. Paul uses that very concept in Romans chapter 6 and 7. And... We are going to be either a slave of sin or we are going to be a slave to righteousness. And Jesus bought us with his own blood. We belong to him and we are not our own. We are to give ourselves and live for him who died for us. But it is a willing giving of ourselves to the Lord who is saving us from our sins and from our oppressions and delivering us into the glories of heaven. Now there's a big difference. So we're either slaves to sin or we're slaves to righteousness. Unfettered freedom results in slavery to sin. Submission to Christ's authority results in salvation from our sins and from the destruction that sin brings. Now going back to our text, focusing in on verse 31, Jesus says, if you abide in my word. You see, freedom in Christ is conditioned upon abiding in the teachings of Jesus. Now, a lot of people think that freedom in Christ means I can do what I want to do. You can worship however you want. The church can do whatever it wants. We can do whatever we want. I can go out and I can get drunker than Cooter Brown on Saturday night. And I can come in here and I can serve on the Lord's table on Sunday morning. And nobody, you know, that's all right. Some people have that idea. That's not a biblical idea. But they, they get this from the idea, look, I, I can live like I want to live in the Lord's grace and His mercy, just going to smooth everything out, take care of everything for me. I can live in sin and I can serve God all at the same time. Which is absolutely absurd when you think about the scriptural perspective of sin and righteousness. That's the point that John makes in 1 John 3 and verse 9. He who is born of God cannot sin. The idea is one who is of God, one who is truly following God, one who is imitating God, one who has developed and has obtained and developed God's character. He can't sin and follow God at the same time. You cannot be of God, acting for God, serving God, being faithful to God, and sin at the same time. That's an impossibility. So if you abide in my word, freedom is promise to you. That is the freedom from sin. 
Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. The concept of discipleship is more than just a learner. We've been studying this and talking about this for a while, this idea of discipleship. And we had a whole series on spiritual growth and what that looks like and what that should result in. But being a disciple is more than a mere learner. I know that's what the, the definition says, but the biblical perspective of a disciple is one not only who learns from the master teacher, but one who incorporates that teaching into his life and one who seeks to be like his teacher. He becomes like his teacher, like his master. He follows his teacher and imitates him. And a disciple of Christ is just that. He is an imitator of Jesus. The whole concept is that we become like him. So if you abide in my word, you, will, you are my disciples indeed. And we must follow him. Luke 6, 40 emphasizes the need to you know, do those things that the Lord says and follow his teaching. Verse 46 very clearly says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Luke 9, 23 through 26, take up your cross daily and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. And so discipleship costs, and it is something that we give to the Lord. We give ourselves to Him, becoming like Him. Then He says, you shall know the truth. You see, when we follow Jesus and commit ourselves to Jesus, we know the truth. And you shall know the truth. The truth is that which equips us to freedom. You know, there's a very important principle here that we do desperately need to realize in our day and time. In our, in our culture, you know, truth is totally subjective. In our day and time, there is no such thing as absolute truth. Well, the Lord tells us different. The truth is what the Lord says. Jesus is the truth. What God says is the truth, John 17, 17. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 6 and verse 16, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old past where the good way is, and walk therein, and you will find rest for your souls. Oh, there's a standard, a thus saith the Lord. That thus saith the Lord is what we are to, that's the truth. And that's what we must know in order to be free. Uh, more than just know it, of course, is to do it, but the beginning point is to know the truth. What if I don't know the truth? What if I'm taught error? What if I'm taught false doctrine? What if I'm taught Islam? What's that going to set me free from? What is Islam going to save me from? What about Judaism? What is Judaism going to set me free from? Of course, now, Judaism excludes Christ, right? What is Judaism going to set me free from? Jesus said to Jews who practice Judaism, Jesus said to them later, as you keep on reading, verses 36 and following, he's talking to people who reject him, and he tells them that they will die in their sins, verse 24, and later on he says, you are of your father the devil. You see, they're lost. And just like anyone else who do, does not receive Jesus Christ according to the truth, will be lost. 
except you believe that I am He. Jesus said in, in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Peter, in John the 6th chapter, verses 63 through 69, many of Jesus' disciples had turned away from Him and stopped following Him. And He said to His apostles, his apostles, he said, will you likewise go away? And Peter spoke up, you have the words of life, to whom shall we go? We need to realize that Jesus is the source of the truth, the only source of truth, not in Islam, not in the Koran, not in Judaism, not in any other religion. And let me just be blunt here, not in any form of Christianity that does not actually follow Jesus. Okay? Any form of Christianity that doesn't even teach what Jesus teaches about salvation and what one must do to be saved, are they really teaching Christianity? When people follow their teaching, are they even saved? If they're not doing what the Lord says, are they following Jesus? Jesus says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth centers on Jesus. And not just who Jesus is. But because of who Jesus is, what he says is truth. And everything he says is truth. You cannot separate the man from the plan. You can't do that. The truth shall make you free. Now free from what? Free from what? Well, it's not... Freedom from Roman oppression. You know, in Isaiah 61, many of the Jews thought that the Messiah would be one who would deliver the Jewish people from the oppressors, the Romans, or any other oppressor that might be coming in the future. But specifically during the days of Christ, of course, they were looking for a Messiah who would deliver them from Rome. And once again establish the Jew Jewish monarchy, the Israel like monarchy. And freedom from the bondage of Rome was an idea that they had in their head. That's not what Jesus came to set them free from. That is not what Isaiah prophesied that he would set them free from. Certainly, he would liberate them, but not from some earthly power, but from the spiritual power. The freedom that comes when our sins are taken away. When we're forgiven and we stand right before God due to the fact that God has washed us, cleansed us of our sins. Freedom from the bondage of sin. This freedom is found only when we listen to Jesus and we follow Him and we abide in His words. Those are the ones who will truly experience this freedom from sin. And you say, okay, well, how do you know this is talking about? Well, the context, he goes on and he very clearly makes that point. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Okay, so what is Jesus wanting to cleanse them or to deliver them from? From that bondage to sin. We are Abraham's descendants, they said, and have never been in bondage to anyone. Of course. How dumb were these guys? Really? 
Are they not familiar with their own history? Of course, currently, on one hand, they're looking for somebody to come and deliver them from the, oppression, from the Roman oppression because they were under Roman control. And they say, we've never been in bondage to anyone. <laughs> Just go back a few years before that. Antiochus Epiphanes, had, who had come through, and of course, they had, ever since they were carried into bondage into, into Babylon, uh, they were never truly free. They were always under somebody's control. Babylonian captivity. We were never in bondage to anyone. What about Nebuchadnezzar? Um, but anyway, they were just flat out wrong about that point, but that's not the point to begin with, right? More oppressive than any kind of physical oppression is the oppression of sin. The spiritual enslavement to the destructive power of sin. And this is something that our day and time just flat out can't see. People do not understand or comprehend. And you know, one of the reasons why I think that is is because we have gone through great efforts to try to make sin safe. There was a Christian one time many years ago who we, we got to talking about schools and things were going on in schools and the sex education stuff had really started to be enforced in schools. And, uh, you know, the, one of the members of the church that I was a member of when I was young, they, they said, well, you know, at least they're teaching them, teaching them safe sex. And my response to that is, there is no such thing as safe sin. No such thing. But we try to remove all of its harmful effects. You know, we try to limit the dangers and the effects of sinful behavior. But in reality, there is no such thing as a deliverance from the, sin, from the effects of sinful behavior. Sin is a cruel taskmaster. Jesus personifies it that way. Paul does the same thing in Romans chapter 7, chapter 6 and 7. We are slaves to sin unless and until we are delivered. After we commit one sin, we are then enslaved to sin. We must be delivered from that sin. Turn, and, turn with me to Romans chapter 7. In Romans the 7th chapter, the apostle Paul is talking about not the effect of sin so much on a Christian, although there are some applications that can be made about that. But the point has nothing to do with that. The point is the difference and the contrast between the law and what the law provides and the gospel and what the gospel provides. What cannot be found in the law can be found in Jesus. That's the point of, of Romans chapter 7. And the law has been put to, the, to death, right? Verses 1 through 4. And so the law, having been done away with now people are still trying to hold on to that law people are still trying to be justified by that law and so throughout the book of Romans the contrast is between that which saves us the power is in the gospel not in the law so you get to chapter 7 and, the, and what Paul does is he places himself as a Jew trying to be righteous before God under the law system and what he clearly states is there is 
no deliverance under that system. None. Because as you, you as hard as you may try, once you've sinned, once you have awakened, and the law has awakened you to the fact you have sinned, all you have then is guilt. All you have is condemnation. There is no deliverance in the law. The blood of bulls and goats cannot take away your sin. There is nothing that can take away your sin. You cannot do enough good. You not, cannot keep enough law to overcome your sin. All you have is condemnation because of your sin. And so that's why he winds up in verse 24 by stating, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Well, there's an answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's the answer in chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, that's the law by the way, which does incite the sins of the flesh, but according to the Spirit, that's the gospel, that's following the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so there you have the contrast. Sin is personified as a cruel taskmaster. Once you sin, you, there is no deliverance from that sin except through Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is promising deliverance from. The Jews could not find it by being descendants of Abraham. The Jews could not find it by keeping the law. The only way that the Jew could find it is through Jesus Christ. And he's the one that they rejected. So the slavery of sin, bondage to our previous sins. And by the way, they continue to accumulate and build up and to bring us into more and more bondage. Galatians 3 and verse 10 uh, the only way to be justified by the law, by the way, is to keep the law perfectly. But once you sin, you've messed it up. And there's no more hope. Romans 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jew or Gentile is the idea, but it's true. We've all sinned. And so then, also, the practice of sin creates a habit of sin. It becomes, as you will, our nature. We fall into this trap of going down this road over and over again and build the rut, and now we're in this habitual state of sin. It's become second nature to us. And so we become in bondage to our habits. As 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 12-16, through 16, Eyes that are full of adultery who cannot cease from sin. And then we are in bondage to the consequences of our sin. Death. There's no other option. The wages of sin is death. We will reap what we sow. Our sin separates us from God. Our sin brings death. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Oh, we need to see ourselves as slaves of sin. And our desperate need to be forgiven cleansed and delivered from our sins. Seeing that we've all sinned, we all need to be set free. We all need this deliverance, which is impossible apart from God's unmerited favor, apart from His grace, His unmerited provision in Christ. There is no other way. It is only through His only begotten Son. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, sin produces Death, perishing. Jesus, though, came so that we can have life. 
by grace through faith. We're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. Salvation is not of us. It does not originate in us. We cannot accomplish it of us. It is impossible to gain by ourselves unless and except through the grace, the provision that God has made. And that is only obtained if we truly trust. Through faith we can obtain that salvation. Through a trust that is, according to the Bible, a trust that also obeys. But the provision is by God's grace and God's mercy. God loved us enough to provide a way. And so Jesus comes into the world. As John says in John chapter 1, verse 29, the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Here He is. He has come. As Isaiah 53 and 11 prophesies. Here He is. He has died for our sins. He's given Himself for us so that we may be free from our sin. And this Savior who came to die for us invites us all to come. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. The labor and the heavy laden is due to sin, the bondage of sin. Come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. See, there's still a yoke. But it's easy on you. It's not like the yoke of sin. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, Jesus says. The Son makes free all who come to him and abide in him. Jesus Christ, and turn, if you were in Romans 7 with me a while ago, just turn back to Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, Paul makes this statement in verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the answer to that? God forbid. How can we who have died to sin live any longer therein? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and the body of sin might be, that the body of sin might be destroyed, done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has freed, has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he, gives, that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. He goes on and continues talking about that contrast. So, are you a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus? There is no freedom that can compare to being emancipated from the bondage of sin. There is nothing like having your guilt of sin removed knowing that you're right with God, knowing that you are saved from your sin and that you have the hope of life in Christ Jesus. 
There's nothing like that kind of freedom if a person truly understands it. The sad thing is that so many people do not understand their lost condition apart from Christ. They do not understand the consequences of sin that sin has had in their life. Those who believe and are baptized into Christ are no longer slaves of sin, but now freed. Listen, we are freed to serve. We are freed to worship and glorify and honor the one who has saved us. So many people have such a skewed view of freedom and salvation. Their thinking is that, okay, if Jesus has delivered me from sin, I can do whatever I want. No. How would, why would you look to the one who gave his life for you, died for you to save you from your sin? Why in the world would you think now you can live for yourself? Doesn't work that way. You've been freed to serve. You've been freed to live for the Lord. To glorify Him. Which is good for you, by the way. Which is helpful, which is joyful and beneficial. Anyone who has an attitude and idea that, you know, serving the Lord is oppressive and burdensome, You've got a messed up view. Serving the Lord is joyful. Such a person has not truly been delivered from their sin. A Christian maintains his freedom from the devil by following the perfect law of liberty. James 1, 21-25. The law of the Spirit replaces the law of sin and death. It's the law of the Spirit that frees me from the law of sin and death. And... As long as I walk in the law of the Spirit, I have life. There is no condemnation to the one who is in Christ Jesus, who walks according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. We fulfill the law of Christ when we bear one another's burdens. Love has replaced fear. Trust has replaced doubt. Hope. Hope has shattered our hopelessness. That's what Christ provides. Galatians 5 and verse 1, Paul says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. You remain in Christ. You hold on to Christ. The Judaizers were trying to pull Christians back into the Judaism. And Paul goes on to say, Those who are entangled again with that yoke of bondage have been severed themselves from Christ. They have fallen from grace. But stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In chapter 5 and verse 13, he says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Have you heard the truth? Because it's only through the truth that you can be set free. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Have you heard the truth? Do you believe that the truth? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe that He is the Lord of glory? And Jesus, in fact, Himself said in John 8, 24, Except you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Have you confessed Him before men? Will you confess Him before men? Will you confess Him as the Son of God? Will you confess Him as the Lord who has been raised and is now sitting at the right hand of God? Romans, 9, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. 
Will you repent of your sins? Except you repent, Jesus said, you will all likewise perish. Acts 17.30, repent. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Will you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, so that you may be raised to walk in newness of life, that you may be freed from your sins? Acts 2.38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Will you be freed from your sins today? Maybe you have been freed from your sins, but then you've turned and you've walked back into sin. You've again allowed sin to overcome you. And by the way, that is a r- real threat. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. If you are deceived and you fall back into sin, or if you just willingly run back to the world and overcome by the world, you have again become enslaved to sin. You need to again be freed. If you confess your sins, we're told that Jesus is faithful. He will forgive us of our sins. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, verses 9 and 10. And if we repent of our sins, we will be forgiven. Acts 8, 22, down through verse 24. But we must repent. We must turn back to the Lord. But the Lord will forgive us. He will again free us from the bondage of sin. My friend, wherever you are today, you can be free. You can be free in Christ Jesus. You can be free from sin. You can be free from the bondage of sin. You can be free from the destructive nature of sin. You can be free from the death that sin brings. If you'll just trust in the Lord, turn to Him in humble submission and follow Him in obedience. If we can help you this morning, won't you come while together we stand while we sing.